0: Anybody hungry yet? <laughs> that was kind of a setup. You'll see why in a minute. We, uh, uh, I'm going to continue. We are still in John 4. Uh, Josh, for the most part, last week um, wrapped up the story with Jesus interacting with the woman at the well. Remember, she had come to get Natural, literal, physical water to provide for her family. And she came uh, with shame. She came at noontime. Jesus came, introduced her to the water of life. Jesus introduced her to a, a well that would spring up into eternal life, scripture says. And, and she was focused on the literal and physical. And Jesus was there to bring her a spiritual water. That never runs dry, One that once we drink from Him, I should say, His promise is, we shall never thirst again, right? So uh, today we're going to talk about uh, eating now the food of Jesus. Uh, we're not just going to talk about drinking from the wells of eternal life, but we're also going to talk about feeding our spirits, feeding our souls. Uh, for they are part of who we are that will last forever. Your body, no matter how good of a shape you keep it in, uh, it doesn't matter how healthy you eat or how much you work out or not, I'm just here to tell you, your body's going to get old and is going to die. It's going to die out because of sin. It wasn't originally made that way. Your body and spirit and soul was made to last forever, but because sin entered the world, we now lose these natural, physical bodies, and we must be born again so that one day when we get to heaven, uh, we're going to get a new body uh, that goes along with our spirit, and it's going to last forever. So today, uh, we're going to take a look at that. Uh, So let's pick up in John chapter 4, starting with verse 31. Verse 31. Meanwhile, so as this was taking place with the woman at the well, remember the disciples had gone into town to get something to eat. Therefore, that's why I asked, is anyone hungry? And so we're going to talk about food today, and we're going to talk about spiritual food today. So if you're physically hungry, you're just going to have to hang tight a little bit. It's okay. I promise you're not going to starve. I'm not going to preach that long. Um, I got at least three days before you start getting super hungry, right? Meanwhile, his disciples urged him. They'd come back, Rabbi, eat something. Now, the disciples were doing what, uh, what loving brothers would do. They were looking out for Jesus. They were making sure he was getting fed and nourished, and he was probably tired from the journey too. So they went in town to get something to eat. He comes back, or the disciples come back, and they were concerned for his physical health and stamina and all that kind of stuff, like you and I are today. Because we live in a world, and we're flesh and blood, and because um, we get—it's uh, so natural for us to to live up and grow up in a sin-stained world where sin is rampant—we have our minds set on this earth, on this world, on this body, uh, on our looks, and all that kind of thing. Right? Worries, doubts, and fears of the world can really get to us because we're just it's so easy to be worldly minded okay so uh, what is it that we do hey we want to we, we don't want to get old I don't want to have bad knees and and I want my muscles to still be good and working and I want to be healthy because I don't want to get sick and you know I don't want some of the stuff that we have to face and so what do we do uh, a lot of us try to to eat healthy uh, to work out I say a lot of us because I threw you in there because if I was just talking about me I'm not a good example right now when it comes to uh, physical exercise or uh, f- f- consumption of literal food <laughs> I'm doing good on the spiritual part <laughs> but anyway uh, not so good on the physical part but um I think what happens is we can get so wrapped up into that and I want to share a scripture found in 1st Timothy chapter 4 physical training exercise it's good the Bible says it's good but there's something that's even better so let's take a look it says do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives tales instead train yourself to be what godly now it doesn't say healthy although I believe in health it doesn't say uh, train yourself to be a boxer or an athlete or to have a good body or whatever. However that looks to you, it says train yourself to be godly. And then it goes on to say physical training is what? It is good, right? I mean, it's good. But training for godliness is how much better? Much better. <laughs> kind of just set you up wrong there, didn't I? Is much better. Why? Because godliness or training our spiritual bodies promise benefits both in this life and in the life to come. So physical training, eating healthy will benefit you in this life. And that's good. That's great, right? Our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit. So it should even be a, 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 a biblical thing to want to keep our physical bodies in shape So that we can be used by our master because it's a a temple of the Holy Spirit. So that's great. It's good. But training to be godly, feeding uh, our spirits and our souls is much better because that profits in this life and in the life to come. And we're going to talk about some of those things. So uh, that's what I'm here to talk to you about. Let's go back to after the disciples want Jesus to eat something let's go back in our story and read verses 32 through 34 it says this but jesus said to them i have food to eat that you know nothing about and this is again so funny jesus was talking to the woman at the well about water and she was thinking yeah give me some give me some of that water where can i draw from it right thinking physically jesus said i have food that you know nothing about Then the disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him some food? Right? Thinking physically again, this world only. Jesus said this, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. So I want to talk about four foods that Jesus uh, ate in a spiritual sense. And if Jesus did that, how much more do you and I need to do that, right? Uh, I mean, he was, he was God and man. He was perfect, and yet he still ate physically to keep his body going, and he ate spiritually. So before we get to uh, these two things that Jesus said here, I want to bring out an obvious one that's first and foremost that Jesus even modeled for us but before i do that i want to actually give you the definition of food so again i want you to start thinking spiritually now food is any nourishing substance that is eaten or otherwise taken into the body to sustain life provide energy and promote growth all right you eat i know i know i told you to start thinking spiritually but let's let's go transition back to physically for a minute As long as you eat, you will be able to sustain life. That food is going to give you nourishment. It's going to give you energy. And and you're going to grow, right? You're you're going to grow. (laughs) You eat too much bad stuff, you really grow in the wrong ways. Um, So food, spiritually then, is anything that we take in that sustains life, that provides energy, and that promotes growth so the same is true spiritually just as food does that for the body spiritual food will do that for our spiritual body so the first food of jesus is simply the word of god now i don't mention or i mention that because we see all throughout the gospel accounts i mean you read matthew mark luke john and you're going to see uh, time that jesus made time that jesus took to be alone with the Father. So time in prayer, time in the Word, uh, and you know I, I refer to it as God's PB&J, prayer, Bible, journal. Journaling just slows us down enough to make sure we're, we're understanding, we're thinking about what we're taking in. Uh, so that was Jesus' model and example to us, number one. Many times at Scripture, it says, early of the morning or late at night, or all through the night, Jesus was found where? Not with the crowds, not even with his disciples, but he was found alone with God, spending time with him. So for you and I, what, that, what does that look like today? Time alone with God, in prayer, in the word, taking it into our spiritual bodies, into our minds, into our ears uh seeing the words on the page does that make sense right so uh the food the first food is the word of god or time spent with god in prayer and the word now why do so many people get off track when it comes to the word of god let me ask you let's think physically now for a minute. what, uh, just, just shout out. Let's do a little crowd participation here today. What are some foods that you really, really like? Spaghetti. Spaghetti. <laughs> eggs. What else? Pizza. Yeah. Shrimp. Chocolate. Okay. What are some foods that you don't like? Spinach. Pizza. Asparagus. Pizza. Who said pizza? Get out. No. <laughs> I'm just joking. Uh. What else do we not like? It's not good for you, so that's good that you don't like it. That's that's good, Michael. I like it too much. Gotcha. What's some other seafood? All right. Sushi. Sushi. Yeah. I like the cooked kind, but not the raw kind. You know, if it's cooked, I can do it. But if it's raw, get that stuff out of here. Okay, here's my point. Do you keep eating something that doesn't taste good? No. You don't even order it, do you? Let alone keep eating it. When you really like something, do you keep eating it? How many of you go back to the same restaurants, you order the same thing off the menu because it's just your fave, right? I mean, I'm not like a uh, every... uh, what, what's the word i'm looking for i'm not a, a structured everything's the same everyday person but my wife will when we go to restaurants many times i'm ordering the same thing i usually get because it's it's my favorite it satisfies me so i'm going to keep getting it and eating it right uh how many of you even when you're full you keep eating it because it's so satisfactory to you we got any admitters on that sure okay what's my point? If we're eating from the Word of God and we are not tasting that it is good, the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. If we're reading and feeding from the Word of God and it doesn't make any sense to us, it's not satisfying us, we're probably not going to keep eating it. But if it's satisfying to us, if it's bringing us nourishment, if it's giving us energy, if God's revealing new stuff to us, if it's getting exciting for us, we're going to keep reading it and feeding off of it, aren't we? So what's the difference? Why do people, I know why people outside the church, why do people inside the church, some just love to be in the word of God and others just can't seem to get in it and stay in it? Okay, comfort, ah, that might, that's a good one. There's, there's uh, stuff in here that when we eat it, it's going to cause us to change. And we have something in, inside of us called a sinful nature that doesn't like that kind of change. Right? We, we like, our sinful nature likes to be selfish, likes to stay comfortable. And this is going to get us out of our comfort zones. But if we've been born again, who lives here? Who lives inside of us? The Holy Spirit of God. You are not holy. I'm not holy. He is holy. So He's going to be changing us to be holy. So another reason why we get dissatisfied with the Word of God is because we just don't understand it sometimes. And so we give it up. And so if you're here today and you've been trying to read the Word of God, and it's not bringing some satisfaction. It's not... um, You're not understanding what you're reading. You need to get with someone and walk through Scripture together. You need to get plugged into a small group. You need to go to a Bible study. You need to learn from others that are being satisfied through the Word of God so that you can, ah, so the light bulb's going to go on. You'll be enlightened. Ah, I get it now. Oh, that's why Jesus said that. Oh, that's what Jesus meant when he said that. That's what the church is here for You need that. It can start by coming out tomorrow night on Monday nights. We're going to help talk you through that. Uh, Another warning I want to throw out there, if you're claiming to be a Christian, and I use the word claiming because, I mean, I'm, I'm not the judge, I don't know, but if you're claiming to be a Christian and there's no hunger for the Word of God, I'm saying something is wrong. So one of the first evidences that Jesus Christ, that you've been born again, that you've accepted what He's done for you, that you've admitted you can't live a good enough life, you're, you're toast, literally, without Him. And you need Him and what He did for you on the cross, so that by His grace, through your faith and trust in Him... He now, you are now born again. He moves inside, and when a baby is born, how long for that baby to start hungering for milk? I mean, it's almost instant, right? And then after a couple hours, guess what? That baby's hungry again. A couple hours, a baby's hungry again. So when you've been born again, you are a newborn babe in Christ. You've been born again, and there ought to be, whether you recognize it fully or not, this hunger and desire to get to know God, to get to know His Word, because that is going to nourish your spiritual growth. So, do you have that interest and hunger and desire in you for the Word of God? It's a telltale sign that you've been born again, one of them. Now, If you have a hunger to learn and know, but again, you don't understand, now we're back to that's why you need Jesus's bride, the church, another brother or sister in the Lord to help you walk through and understand what you read. Here's another thing to think about. Are you eating enough and applying the word to your life that you actually see benefits? So many people stop diets too early or stop exercising too early because they want to do uh, exercise or eat right, good for a couple of days and see like amazing benefits right away, right? That doesn't happen, does it? It takes consistency over a period of time for you to reap the benefits and the results. And if you stick with it long enough and you start reaping those benefits and results, guess what? You're now motivated to stay with it aren't you? Right? Same is true spiritually. If we would stick with it long enough to have some aha moments with God, whether that's in your own time with the Word or in a small group or things are making more and more sense, that's going to motivate you to learn and to want and to feed even more off the Word of God, right? Because it's like a, a nice plate of spaghetti for those of you that said spaghetti, right? Ooh, that was so good, I better go back for seconds. And I better make enough to have leftovers tomorrow. I mean, there's always leftovers with God. And it's new, fresh food. He cooks up for you every day if you'll just choose to dig in. All right, so uh, foods of Jesus, number one is the Word of God. Number two is doing the will of God. If we go back and we read... What was that? Verse 34. Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. So I'm going to cut it off right there. And that's number two, doing the will of God. So feeding from the word of God and now doing the will of God. All right. Let me give you just a few Examples literally found in scripture that talk about the will of God. And so all we need to do is say, okay, that's the will of God for me. The Bible clearly says that. Now, am I doing that? And if you are not doing that, you are not taking spiritual nourishment into your body, and therefore you might not have energy. You might, might not have some sustaining life inside of you, you might not be growing spiritually. If your muscles are going to grow, you have to exercise them. If your spirituality is going to grow, you have to exercise it. You have to apply what we're reading. So let's take a few uh, verses and look at what it says. The first one's found in Romans, chapter 12, verses one and two. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God, because of all He has done for you. I mean, is God not worthy of giving Him our all? You know, we're, we live in such a, a fair and just society, and sometimes we take that way, way, way too far. Well, that's not fair, that's not just, and, and we're, so, we're so big on fair and justness, aren't we, in our society? Fairness, justice, we want to be done. God gave his all for you. Isn't it fair and right and good and just for now you and I to give our all for him? Because here's the truth. If you really want fair and just, you probably don't want it from God because you and I deserve hell. We have rebelled against God. The Bible says there's not one righteous outside of Christ. No one. We all fall short of God's glory. So I don't want that fairness when it comes to God. But when it comes to me understanding he died for me, he lived for me, he gave his all for me, he wasn't ashamed of me, he did it publicly for me, then I should want to do the same for him. Isn't that just the right thing to do? That's what Paul's saying here. Let them... Our bodies be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Let's get past this idea that worship only happens when the band's on stage and we're playing and singing songs that you like to sing along to. Now, I hope and pray you're worshiping during that time. I know I am, or at least I try to be intentional about it. But worship goes so much beyond that. It's about a lifestyle. So that was just the setup to verse 2. Here's where we get to God's will. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new what? A new person. You have a new life. Pastor Michael, I just think of him in Africa Man, his story is amazing. He's ministering. He's got a church right in the midst of the Kabira slums. The poorest of the poor on earth. And he was a thief. He grew up just surviving. He walked by one day and someone said, how would you like to have new life? And he raised his hand and the guy told him about Jesus. And he surrendered to Jesus. He's got a new life. He's not a thief anymore. He's a pastor right in the midst of where Satan dwells. Just love that. You can have a new life if yours is very unsatisfactory. And without Jesus, I'm guessing it is. Sin will do that. It's only pleasurable for a small amount of time. So let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Change your thoughts, change your thoughts. Guess what? Sometimes you don't even have the power to change your thoughts. You need God to transform you. You need to pray. You need to spend time with God, feeding off the food of Jesus so that He can transform you into a new person by changing the way you think then what happens you and I will do what we can't do the will of God until we know the will of God right then you will know God's will for you which is good and pleasing and perfect and lasts forever it's everlasting I should see a lot more smiles right now man that is good news there we go that's better God's will for your life is good, it's pleasing, it's perfect, it's satisfactory. When we start doing the will of God, we start hungering to do more of the will of God, and it doesn't cause us to wimp out or chicken out or fear out or whatever. It gives us energy. It sustains life. It empowers us. It promotes growth. It gets us excited. Why? Because it's an energy giver. Never wears out. I was ministering alongside Pastor George in Africa and Kenya, and we were walking, and um, I mean, we we had been we were well into a a, a ten day journey, and uh, he's like, "Brother, we 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 should probably you should probably eat." He didn't say we. I knew he didn't need to eat. I said, "George, I'm good." I said, "What I see going on here gives me gives me life, gives me energy." We are doing the will of God. I, I, I'm not even hungry for physical food right now. I'm good. And so we talked about the scripture a little bit. And he just got this big old smile on his face. You know, he could probably go way, <laughs> he does way more sacrificial things than I was doing when I was there with him. But it's the same thing. Now, in doing that over a sustaining period of time, Does the body get tired and the mind get weak and do we need to be refed? Yes, that's what rest is for and nourishment spiritually and physically is for. All right, let's go on and look at another one. Paul tells the Thessalonian church this, God's will is for you to be what? God's will is for you to be... Yeah, holiness comes by obedience. So here's one specific thing. Paul gave the Thessalonian church, knowing that it probably it was prevalent prevalent, Pre- prevalent uh, everywhere around him. So stay away from all sexual sin. Huh, I wonder if we have a problem with that in America. Is it all around us? I mean, let's just be honest. I think mean, it's all around us. And let's be honest and transparent. A lot of us really struggle with that. God's will for me is to be holy. And so I need to do what I need to do and rely on Him in areas I need to rely upon Him so that I stay away from all sin, but yes, sexual sin too. And same is true for you. And when we do the will of God that says to do that, guess what? That feeds our spirit and makes our spirit come alive. And now my fleshly thoughts aren't as hungry, they're not as tempting anymore because now my spirit is winning out. Because the Holy Spirit resides there and obedience brings forth growth and holiness and helps me to resist temptation and helps you too. But we need to be intentional about it. Paul goes on in uh, chapter 5, verse 18. He says, Be thankful in all circumstances. Why? For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. It is God's will for you to be thankful in all circumstances. Again, we say this a lot. You don't necessarily have to be thankful for them, but you have to be grateful in them. We should say this. God has empowered us in such a way we get to be. We get to be grateful. We get to be thankful, even in the midst of bad circumstances and situations if we're feeding off the word of God, if we're doing the will of God by being thankful, that actually feeds us. We're nourishing our spirit. Now do the opposite of that, and that's back to feeding your flesh and your mind. And where does that take you? When you start being ungrateful, when you start being less and less thankful, where does that take you? It takes you outside of God's will, brings your energy levels way down, start getting bummed out and depressed and you don't want to do anything but sit on your couch and eat potato chips. And blame everyone else for your problems. It's easy to do. I don't got any problems, man. It's always everyone, someone else's fault, right? <laughs> if we all think that way, we'll never get Better. We'll never get better. We've got to own up. No, what is my part in this? I'm to be thankful, doggone it. This is God's will for me. I belong to Jesus. He has the power and ability to let me be thankful and grateful even in the midst of troubling times. That's what Thanksgiving in November is all about, right? Some of us do intentional things during that month uh, to, to be living, to making sure we're, we're feeding off The food of Jesus by doing the will of God, being thankful. There are so many more scriptures that talk about the will of God. There's general will and then there's a specific will. So that takes us back to food number three. The word of God, the will of God, and now we're also to finish the work of God. Finishing his work is number three if you're taking notes. Jesus said that back again in verse 34. My food, Jesus said, is to do the will of God and to finish his work. So, how is the will of God and the work of God different for you and I? So, the will of God is, God has called us all to be holy, right? So, that's part of the will of God. God has called us all uh, to allow him to be transformed by renewing the way we think. God has called all of us not to copy the customs and behaviors of this world. God has called us all to be holy. He's called us all to abstain from sexual sin. He's called us all to be thankful. That's the will of God. Now, the work of God is tied to your specific calling or your spiritual gift or gifts that he's given to you. That's going to be inside the church and outside the church, and we'll get to that one here in a little bit. Most of us, if we are born, I should, all of us, if we're born again, the Bible says God has given us a spiritual gift that is different than a natural talent or ability. A spiritual gift means it's something the Holy Spirit, when he moves in, he gives you and now you have some supernatural power behind that gift, not just a natural ability or talent. So, to finish the work of God is tied to your specific calling. Where or who or to what has God called you? Nobody lives where you live and goes to work where you go to work and goes to church where you go to church and goes shopping when you go shopping. Only you go everywhere you go. No one else does. So, God, within those parameters, has a specific calling and plan for you, and we are to finish that work. We can retire from a job, but there's always something to be done or someone to minister to until our bodies go home, rot out, we get sick and die. There's always something to do. Even old people in a nursing home, even someone dying on their uh, their deathbed because they're struggling with cancer and they're just breathing, even they can pray. They can pray for others. They can pray for their family. They can pray for the church. They can pray for missions and missionaries. And let me tell you something. There's a lot of supernatural spiritual activity that's tied to your prayers if your motive if your motivation is correct and good. Prayer is a neglected power in the church. And we throw out all these excuses like, I just can't pray, I don't know what to pray for, Uh, I'm not good at praying. It's just, just talking to God. Do you have a family member that doesn't know Jesus, that's addicted to something? that's living for themselves, God, would you just, would you just change them? I, I don't even know where they're at right now, but you do. And if you mean that in your heart and you pray that to God, there's something supernatural behind that that happens that you might not ever see until you get to heaven. But if you would have faith and believe that something's happening every time you pray, you and I would pray a lot more and our work would never be done you can literally do the work of God until your last dying breath if you at least have a mind and you can pray now I realize we have diseases out there that take people's mind I I don't know what their work is I don't know but that's probably not anyone here right now but I what I want us to understand is even though I'm going to retire one day from being pastor of Truth and Grace Fellowship I will never retire from doing God's work as long as His grace allows it. I mean, I'm going to get too old and you guys aren't going to want a really old pastor one day. You're going to want some new young pup coming in here and with more energy than me. And I'll move on. And that's okay when it's time, when God says, uh, I'll move on. But man, I don't just sit on my hands and do nothing. Man, there's still people for me to help pastors and churches and missionaries and i I can pray and there's so much to do let's not only do the work of god let's finish the work of god that he's called us to do finish and finish well there are some ugly ugly stats when it comes to pastors in the ministry i want to be part of the few that finish and finish well there's just too many, too many pastors uh, leaving the ministry for so many different reasons. And I don't want to be one of them. So I would appreciate your prayers about that. So I don't leave too early and I never give up. John 4. Let's go back to John 4. Let's look at this last food of Jesus that he talks about. I want to read verses 35 through 38. Uh, Jesus is saying this, Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor." Now, is Jesus talking about all of us becoming farmers here? What harvest is he talking about? Souls. Jesus, 2,000 years ago, said the harvest is ripe and ready to be harvested. Meaning, there are souls out there that are ready. They're just waiting for a worker. They're waiting for someone that's feeding on the word of God, that's doing the will of God, that's finishing the work of God, that will harvest souls for him. That is food number four, being his witness. The word, the will of God, the work of God, and being his witness. That's the food that gives us life, that sustains us, that gives us energy, that promotes growth. It goes so much further. I know we talk about being in the word of Lot, but there's so much more than just being in the word. But so many of us have neglected it still. And so we're spiritually weak. And I don't want you to be spiritually weak. I want you to be strong. And I want you to get all the rewards of heaven that God has promised us. God didn't just promise that you and I would make heaven our home and we would all be there and enjoying everything the same do you know there are eternal rewards beyond heaven or in heaven that you and i will get or not get based on our work that's what jesus is talking about and we're gonna we're gonna uh let's just go ahead and skip to to first corinthians chapter three for we are co-workers in god's service you are god's field god's building by the grace of God, God, God is by the grace God has given me. I lay. This is Paul speaking. I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay on any other foundation than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If any builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, now he's not talking literally here but it's just an analogy. He says, Their work will be shown for what it is because the day, the day of judgment, will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss but yet will be saved even though only as one escaping through the flames. I don't want you to get to heaven and just, oh, you you got salvation, great, you barely made it. I want you to, now that you have Jesus Christ in your life, build on the foundation of Jesus and build on the foundation of other people who have gone before you. You know Jesus today because someone told you about him. Someone invited you to church and you heard a message. Someone invited you to a small group and you started to believe. Someone lived the Christian life in front of you and you just started reading on your own and you came to know Christ. But you came to Christ because someone else labored. And now I'm asking you, Jesus is asking us, Paul's saying to us, let's also build on the foundation that someone's built for us so that someone else outside of our own lives, they can experience heaven. They can experience God. They can know and drink from and eat from the water of life and the food of Jesus. That's what it means. The Bible says in Acts 1.8 when the Holy Spirit comes on you and it says according to the book of Ephesians that the Holy Spirit, we are sealed with Him when we believe. Acts says when uh, you or when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. This these are the words of Jesus. <laughs> Jesus said to you, if you're a born-again Christian, if you're born again, he has saved you. Then he has sealed you with his Holy Spirit, and Jesus said, now you have power to be my witnesses, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. And yet, how often do we hear, even inside the church, I just don't. Share my faith. I don't witness to anyone. I don't want to offend anyone. I don't. And I get that. I was there once too. But when I read the Word of God, the question is do I believe the Word of God? And if I believe the Word of God, then I ought to see the evidence and truth coming out. You have power. What does the witness do? Testifies. They're called to take the stand, not to be silent. Someone calls you to to testify at a at, at some you know government court hearing or whatever. You think you're gonna get up there and just like say nothing? No, you're gonna, you're gonna tell what you saw, what you what you heard. You're gonna speak. Are you gonna say, I'm just nervous about speaking in front of people? I just you've been like court ordered, tough. We've been Savior-ordered. King of kings and Lord of lords have said, hey, go now. If you're a disciple, if you're a follower, go make other followers and disciples now. If you're not ready to do that, then your job is to do something that equips and prepares you to be ready. Feed on the Word of God. That's how we learn. Start Start hearing how others share it. Can you put up uh, the the learning thing I have there, babe? Learning thing up here. We learn 10% of what we read, 20% of what we hear, 30% of what we see. You start reading your Bible, that's good. 50% of what we see and hear, you're seeing the Bible on the screen, I'm reading it to you, you're seeing it, you're hearing it, you're learning. 70% of what we discuss. That's why we promote small groups here, big time, a Bible study, one-on-one discipleship, one-on-two discipleship, connecting with people, hearing other people discuss. Then what happens? 80% of what we experience, you start reading and learning the Word of God, then God, as you're out and about, you're going to start experiencing God. 95% of what we teach others. You don't have to have the spiritual gift of teaching the Word of God or to become a pastor to teach others about the Word of God or about Jesus. But if you're a follower, you you are to grow to that point. And then you really start learning. You really start growing. You really start getting excited. I thought I was having an exciting time in the Lord when I was single, and I was just saved, and, and God was showing me all kinds of cool stuff in His Word, and man, that was great. But then he gave me a wife and kids and a calling and pastoral ministry and churches. And I started seeing other people come alive and and change and be transformed. And I thought when I was changed and transformed, that was exciting. That didn't even compare to now when I look out and I know some of your stories and I watch you. You can have that too. You don't have to become a pastor For that to happen, that should be the norm for every born again Christian to see your family, friends, and co workers transformed. All right, let's end our uh, time in John chapter 4. Let's close with 39 through 42. It says this Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. There are people that are ripe for harvest they're watching you they know you you may know that you may not know that but if you would just start testifying and being a witness for jesus some of them are going to believe because of something you say that's exciting he told me everything i ever did she said so when the samaritans came to him they urged him to stay with them and he stayed two days And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. You know what I said? Some people around you are going to believe in Jesus because of your testimony. They're going to do that. And you're going to watch them be introduced to Jesus, and they're going to start feeding off the Word of God, and they're start going. They're going to start change, changing and growing, and they're going to say, "Man, I, I believe when you told me about Him, but now I really believe because I've heard and seen and saw and experienced it for myself." Guys, there are thousands of souls in Mattoon, Illinois alone. I don't care how many local churches are in town. There are thousands of souls just in Mattoon that don't know Jesus. There are plenty of us around to see the Harvest One here in Mattoon and the surrounding communities. Let's do it by continuing to take care of our spiritual bodies by feeding on the foods of Jesus. All right, worship team, come back up. We're going to sing. If you need to respond to God in some public way, we have an altar up here. If you kneel at this altar on my right, your left, no one will bother you. You can just come and pray, and that's between you and the Lord. If you want someone to pray with you or for you, you can come kneel over there, and when you go up, someone that feels comfortable will come up, put a hand on their shoulder or whatever, and pray with you or pray for you. I don't know who that's going to be, but it's there for you. If you just need to stay in your seat, that's fine, but don't stay the same. I don't care where you take your body. Take your spirit to a level of learning and growing and changing. Make some commitments today to God based on his word. You're going to start eating a lot better and exercising more spiritually, and if that, by chance, also encourage you to do it physically awesome, great. I would be one of those. I need that. But the most important thing is spiritually. Let's stand, let's sing, let's worship. If God is speaking to you, respond as you need to.